0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our financial services marketing challenges webinar, where we're going to be talking about all of the different challenges that this sector faces and how to solve them. I am joined by Karen Palmazal and I am Hadley Hirsch, the client partnership strategist here at O8, and I'll be your host today. So first things first, we just have a couple of housekeeping items. So our agenda, we're just going to do um, go through some general information and address challenge by challenge. And then at the end, you are going to have a chance to ask your questions. Um, so if you have any, be sure to throw them in the chat and I'll be sure to answer them at the end here. If everybody could just make sure that they are on mute during the webinar, that would be awesome. Um, Again, just enter those questions into the question panel. And then as a reminder, this is being recorded. So we will send it to everybody via email at the end. All right, so Karen, when I think about financial services marketing, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, are the regulatory and compliance constraints. That's a really hot topic right now. Um, So the marketing department faces a lot of challenges there. How have you balanced delivering compelling marketing solutions without being held back by those legal and compliance departments?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I've spent 25 years in my career crafting um, marketing strategy and content for the financial services industry, and it's regulatory and compliance is a real challenge, Um, but you can get around it. Before I joined 08, I actually helped grow a financial services business by 20%. Each year for six years straight. So, the way we did that was we sort of faced the challenges head on. And when it comes to compliance and regulatory challenges, there are a lot. Um, the first one mm-hmm. is um, if you are in bank marketing to consumers, especially, there's a lot of additional rules and regulations that come along with consumer marketing of financial services. But even in the business to business side, there's, there's still hoops that you have to come through. So, um, I found that preparing is really helpful because there's always going to be, there's going to be lawyers involved. There's going to be compliance and regulatory people who are trying to do their job and everybody's going to give you feedback. And sometimes that feedback is contradictory. So to allow yourself enough time to do that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that you could do to, to help with your compliance and regulatory challenges without, Risking your organization's reputation or breaking the law is uh, what we call DAM or a uh, digital asset management system um, that has built-in controls. A lot of us use Box or Dropbox, which has uh, which is great for file sharing. Um, but a digital asset management system or a DAM has controls that get around the human error situation. So um, human errors where problems happen. So if you have a, a digital asset management system, it makes it really easy to get things right. Um, if it goes beyond just storage and sharing. So um, two things. One is make sure you give yourself enough time. And the second thing is to um, have a, a dam system in place that can help you with that.
0: Oh, that's really good advice. Okay, well, let's jump into another hot topic here brand consistency challenges. So, I believe a strong brand can make or break your organization, especially in financial services. Um, but then, of course, when you layer in B2B or B2C differences, things like mergers and acquisitions, and the evolving financial services landscape that brand can easily become diluted and maybe even inconsistent. So how important is brand in the financial services industry? And how can organizations ensure that they're staying consistent?
1: Yeah, good question. And the short answer is the brand is very important. I've worked with an international bank that values its brand at $1 billion. So that alone tells you how important it is to get it right. So, you know, you don't want to be the one that's diluted that brand. On the other hand, people are people, and people want to sort of put their own spin on things, or do their own thing, or you know they want their business cards in a different way, or they want their email signatures unique to them, or you know they want their marketing materials for their specific product to be very specific. And then when you when these things start to happen, that's where you get the dilution, and before you know it, there's no clear brand, and that's that's a real problem in financial services. So the first thing I recommend is to write everything down, right? Get your, write down your brand strategy, write down your guidelines and just provide all the templates and assets and, and guidance. So again, it makes it very easy for people to get things right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even recommend providing guidance on tone of voice. Um, every brand, every company, every financial services organization has a different, has a different personality and you want to make sure that that's captured. If you're very Sort of a, a fintech with a sort of an edgy personality, you don't want to come off like a stodgy bank and vice versa. And if you're, you know, if you want to be very uh, consultative, you want to make sure you've got that tone right. And getting mm-hmm. writing it all down really makes a huge difference. Um, and then the second thing to, re- to address is, is silos, because that's, that's sort of how the do- brand dilution happens. So the brand doesn't just belong to marketing the brand belongs to everybody, right? It's every touch point, every business card, every email, every customer service call, all, all of those things are the brand. So I would recommend that you, uh, you know, with are communicators in, in marketing to use your influence across the aisle and get everyone on board with the brand, what it means, why it's important. And um, those are the things that will help you get to that, that sort of omni-channel. And the omni-channel term is, um, it started in the retail business, but it's it's become very important in financial services. Omni-channel brand means that at every single touch point, you know what you're going to get, and it's consistent. Like Disney is a great example of an organization that does it right,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like you'll
1: never see garbage being carried through the Disney um, mm-hmm. properties because that's that's off-brand. They do a very good omni-channel, and it's it's hard in financial services to get that every touch point right when you've got different kinds of consumers. You've got well, you've got consumers, right? And you've got business to business and everyone wants to sort of do their own thing. Um, I just, as an example, on the consumer side, I think about I think about my dad who has never used an ATM. He only banks in person. Banking is a thing that he does, right? Mm-hmm. It's a place where he goes. Um, I love ATMs, it's super convenient. Um, you know, and I do online banking and I do all of those things. But then you get, you have know, my kids, well, I don't think I've ever stepped foot in a bank. They do, you know, they, if someone sends them a check for their birthday, they, they use their camera, they upload it mobily, they wouldn't call customer service, they probably just at the bank on Twitter, right? And so there's, when you're trying to think about the brand reality and omni channel getting it right across the board, you really have to think about each member of the, of your um that who you're trying to reach and you have to get it right. So get the persona, you know, get the persona. So, you know, what drives them. And then, you know, again, reaching across the aisle so that you're communicating with, um, the technology people and the service people so that whether it's, it's my dad seeing you in person or my kids adding you on Twitter that you get the, you get the brand consistency just right across the channel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. And that's, pretty adorable about your dad and I can totally relate to your kids. I do everything the easy way. I want to use my phone. Um, I never want to talk to a person. I want to use the technology. So I totally get it. Um, but once you have your brand guidelines in place, how can you ensure that you're staying, you know, standing out from all of the competitors out there?
1: Yeah. I, I, again, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I spent a lot of time in financial services and a lot of time <clears throat> thinking about the brand and what you're selling is money. It's probably the most commoditized product that's out there. You know, Mm -hmm. the big banks sell money, the, the boutiques sell money, the fintechs sell money. So everybody's selling the same thing, but that's not the right way to think about it because you're actually selling to people Mm -hmm. and you're selling people work with brands that they trust and they work with people that they like. So, you know, studies have shown that the more uh, familiar people are with a brand, the higher the degree of trust, which is great. So, Thinking about standing out from the crowd, my recommendation is to be interesting. Um, Did you know that when most people read marketing content that their brainwaves register as sleeping? It's terrible.
0: That's depressing as a marketer.
1: It's terribly (laughs) depressing. We can do better. I I believe we
0: could do better
1: than sleeping. So, um, you know, segmentation is really important so that you're reaching people where they are you know, they don't really want to borrow money and they don't really want to check an account, but they have goals. So you focus on, you understand your market, you focus on their goals and you top meet them where they are. Like that segmentation is really important. Mm-hmm. And then one other sort of secret sauce is bundling services. Um, if it's just a, a loan for equipment or if it's just a checking account or something, that's fine. But when you bundle things together in an interesting way, it, it's good, good for the client and it also makes the relationship very sticky.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you are, you know, that's that's the elephant in the room, right, is trust and in, um, financial institutions. That's that's so important because you look at things like the global financial crisis of 2008 or one of the biggest well-known banks having to pay three billion dollars for its, its fake account scandal. Um, and there's countless other examples of, you know, essentially promises not being fulfilled. So people are losing trust in, in financial services. So how can the marketers of financial services move past that?
1: Yeah, this is a real challenge, um, but every challenge is an opportunity, right? And, you know, as marketers and communicators, I think it's important to focus on what you can control and what you can't control. Certainly there have been financial services leaders who've made bad choices and that it has eroded consumer trust. That is a fair assessment and it's up to the organizations to earn it back. So as communicators, what can we do? We could be honest and transparent. We can not sort of spin the truth we could you know be as authentic and straightforward as we can um you know one thing this is outside of financial services but i think it really works here is i i know haley that you're very familiar with hubspot and hubspot has an approach where they stop selling start helping and they make Mm -hmm. sure that every piece of information they put out there is super valuable and that's before they ever ask for anything they you know they give it they give the information away for free and it's helpful and that helps build trust. So I feel like that's a model that could be very helpful in financial services to make sure everything is really, really, all the information is really valuable.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So let's talk about rapidly advancing marketing technology. It can definitely be overwhelming. So what would your advice for marketers in the financial services industry be there?
1: Yes, I'm really glad to talk about this because um, I worked in financial services through like the invention of the internet and email and and how far it's come. It's been really exciting. Uh, I will say that, especially on the business to business side, financial services organizations have been very slow to Mm. get on board with this. There are some on the B2B side that still don't do e-signatures. You know, I I e-sign at McDonald's, I e-sign at the Renaissance Fair standing in the dirt, but it's still for like these, some, some of these very large, um, complex uh, deals, they'll often want a, a wet signature, which is fine. Right. They're coming around. But on the consumer side, they actually, once the decision was made to provide a sort of an omni-channel, sort of that mobile mm-hmm. presence, they, these large financial organizations have huge budgets for research and development. It's actually gotten quite good. So that's that's a, that's a good forward movement. But what I've Really want to talk about is the advancing advancing marketing technology. So in um, 2011, there were 150 Martech stack solutions. So back in 2011, mm-hmm. in 2020, it went from 150 to 8,000, which wow. is a lot. So I know I personally, I can't be good at 150 things, let alone 8,000. 8, yeah. it? <laughs> that is, but overwhelming. Definitely. It is overwhelming. And if you're like me, when I was, you know, sitting in financial organizations, I sort of felt like it got away from me. So mm-hmm. what I did is I, I hired an agency that knew, that knew about SEO, that knew about, you know, best practices and modern thinking and, and webs to get our, our website under control. And, um, there's, there's so many things that you can do. You could, um, bring in an expert that knows about user experience or you know, marketing attribution, whatever your goals are, there's people who can just give that sort of fractional marketing help. And that's, that's my recommendation to get through the 8,000. Well, in 2020, there were 8,000. So that's definitely more than that now. There's new things coming out all the time, but there are experts that can help you without getting headcount.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, speaking of technology, let's talk about disruptors um how should financial services marketers think about disruptors and competitors because that's definitely a challenge in this space yes there
1: is a lot of money in the money business Mm -hmm. so um there's a lot there's always going to be disruptors you know i think about fintechs they're very agile and almost aggressive borderline aggressive in the way they go about their marketing so you have we have to keep up with these people so um my first recommendation is to get your house in order, and by house, I mean your website, because that is the front door of your brand. Yeah. Um, you know, we've on the consumer side, we've gotten so used to Amazon and how convenient it is and how friendly it is. You know, anything that's less than Amazon level convenience is less, and yeah. that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, whether so, whether it's FinTechs so or whether it's your you know, your contemporaries uh, that have been in the business for a long time. So get your house in order, drive traffic to your site through advertising, have excellent SEO for search engine optimization to make sure people can find you with what you're good at. Make sure your conversion rate optimization, your CRO is up to, is up, is on point so that when they get there, that, that that they'll actually convert. And um, finally, and I can't stress this enough, provide interesting content that adds value um, and that humans want to
0: read. So that's my recommendations for that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, you know, content and and websites and trust and things like that, what about personalization? Because I think that's super important in in this space, um, in the marketing space as well. And a term I hear a lot in financial services marketing is personalization at scale. And that can be a really heavy lift for an organization, for any organization, Um, but especially financial services marketing teams that might be smaller or more constrained. So is personalization really a good investment when marketing teams are already strapped?
1: yeah that's that's a that's a big one um so i'm going to answer your question with a question Um, do you enjoy watching commercials on television no (laughs) no no definitely (laughs) nobody does maybe the super bowl or the olympics like outliers but normally commercials on tv are terrible because they're not personalized to you. So it's just noise that you try to fast forward through or pause. So, you know, you could, Mm -hmm. you know, get a drink or something. Right. But on the other hand, if you're like me maybe found yourself on Instagram buying something or Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, you know, trading your email address for an ebook because like that's because there's good original content that you can get for free. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. That's the personalization. So, um, I, because there's such good um, data segmentation and targeting, and you could really customize if you understand your audience. B two B side, LinkedIn is good, or you know, there's Google. There's there's lots of ways to do it. Um, that personalization, I would prioritize above everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I am someone who I pay attention to the ads that I get on Facebook on, on Instagram, and I let people track my cookies and things like that because, I want relevant ads. And I find some of the best products that I fall in love with to become a loyal customer to through personalization. So great point. Um, there's a lot to unpack here, a lot of advice. And, you know, I think that this is, uh, an organization that has its marketing challenges. So of course, I'm I'm glad that we're walking through each of them, but do you have any final thoughts, anything else you just want to say as someone with years of experience in this industry, um, both on the financial side and, you know, of course, as a marketer here at 08 at our agency, um, Anything else you want to say before we move on to Q&A? Yeah,
1: um, I would say that after 25 years in financial services marketing, anyone who's watching this is already too resource constrained to go running off with all the advice that we've just uh, talked about and shared. So yeah. um, again, I just go back to um, what I did is to, to get help without adding headcount, to get sort of that fractional marketing help to bring in experts here and there to you know, maybe for a single project, like getting your data under control or um, optimizing your website for conversions or piloting a lead gen on on LinkedIn, Um, financial services marketing is is challenging with the -hmm. the disruptors, with the legal and the regulatory, with everything happening. So I just, I would say ask for help and um, it's out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely um well all right everybody we are at the conclusion of the presentation and moving on to Q&A so if you have any questions it looks like we've got a couple stacked up in here that I can answer but go ahead and put it into the chat and I'll be sure to ask Karen um got the first one here so it's going back to branding when you're building a brand and financial services what do you do if sales and marketing have different opinions
1: Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, You know, sometimes there's sort of conflict between sales and marketing. You know, sales is is talking to the customers every day. Marketing hopefully is dealing with the analytics and everyone thinks they have the best picture. Um, So I would say that everyone's opinion is equally valid and you let the analytics be the tiebreaker. So you can just, you can pull data on who your best customers are. You can pull data on who your most loyal customers are, most profitable customers, what kinds of people they are. You you dig into those personas and then, you know, you could sort, and then I would recommend again, breaking down those silos, getting everyone, all the stakeholders around the table talking about, you know, what's our current reality with our brand. What's our, we may do a vision, you know, like a five minute vision session. Like what's, what could our brand be in three years? And then so sort of in that white space between where we are today and where we want to go is how you fill in the blanks for the brand. So you, you mm-hmm. understand what kind of customers you want you want to talk to, how you want to talk to them. Um, you're bringing data into the equation to sort of understand where how you make money and how we put food on the table. And then, um, so that's that would be my recommendation to, to have those conversations and bring your data.
0: Yeah, I love that. The let data be the tiebreaker because like you said, opinions matter but data that's cold hard facts. So you can make decisions based off that, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, looks like we have another one here about MarTech stacks. So as we discussed, that can be very overwhelming. And this is actually about HubSpot, um, which you mentioned earlier, and I totally agree HubSpot's an awesome, awesome tool. Um, we want to switch to HubSpot for marketing, but the organization uses Salesforce. Is it better to also use the Salesforce tool?
1: Yeah. That's a, that, that question comes up a lot. A lot of organizations are sales are based on Salesforce. A lot of organizations are sales-based and Salesforce is kind of, you know, has long been built for that. They've got a big following. Um, their marketing tool is actually was, you know, they, they bought bought another company, so now they have that marketing tool Pardot. Um, Mm -hmm. I, we're a HubSpot agency. I actually am a, a fan of HubSpot. So just to, for full disclosure, I, I, I've used, I've worked in both uh, Pardot and HubSpot. My personal preference is this HubSpot. Um, but fun fact is that HubSpot, before it had its own sort of Salesforce com- competitive product, would connect to Salesforce. So they know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So if the marketing team believes in HubSpot and the sales team believes in Salesforce, they can still work, they can still work together because HubSpot himself did that. So um, does it always make sense to buy tools from the same brand? you know, there's Marketo, there's others out there. I think you should make the decision based on what you believe, you know, do your research, of course, about what you believe is best for your organization, Um, but they can all, they can all plug into each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, we have time for one more question. Um, This is a good one. So, my organization has been hesitant to do digital advertising since we're B2B. Any advice on how to earn some quick wins? Everybody wants those quick wins. The wins are great. Yeah, and that's very common, um, especially when
1: people think of like the old school sort of spray and pray advertising that was an early web advertising just wasn't good. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't personalized, wasn't anything. So um, in B2B, I would recommend LinkedIn because you could target, very specifically by titles. They're the only place you can target by titles. Um, You could do a a remarketing to people that have been to certain pages on your website. Maybe they've got some history with you. You could do lookalike audiences. There's uh, there's a ton of things you can do in LinkedIn to really get to the people you wanna see and that you want to hear your brand message. Um, And then I would offer them something of value, Um, ebook, study, um, a webinar, something like that. Some some original content that they can't get anywhere else. if it's good, they'll be willing to trade their, their email address for that. And then you could get some people who have raised their hand. They have some interest, but probably not all the way down the funnel ready to buy, but you can start a conversation with them and provide value. So uh, I would, for B2B, I would say do a, do a test LinkedIn campaign or two and um, provide something of value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Um, well, thank you, everyone. That concludes our webinar. Thank you, Karen. This was super insightful and I know that um, everyone facing these challenges in this space is, are, you know, going to find it really, really helpful. But um, if you had any questions that didn't get answered today, feel free to reach out to us via email and then also you will be receiving this webinar via email um, probably sometime in the next couple of days here. And it will also include our special offer, which is a free downloadable ebook, which dives deeper into these topics and can hopefully add that value that Karen was talking about. But thanks everyone for joining us and we'll catch you next time.